Hello, welcome to Work, Rest, Slay, where we chat to Ireland's most interesting business leaders in the hope that we can learn from and through their experiences. My name is Melanie Morris and I'm contributing editor at Image Media. One of my favourite quotes is the John Lennon one about life is what happens when you're busy making plans. And I think the same roughly applies to business. Something like maybe business is what happens while you're busy drawing up strategies. The past couple of years has taught us that whatever we think might be ahead and whatever we might be planning for can have little to do with the reality we all experience on a day-to-day basis. This can be a really good thing too though, because no matter how big we dream of success, growth and development, sometimes life rewards ability and hard work even more than we could imagine. And I'm wondering if this applies to my guest today, makeup artist and entrepreneur Amy Connolly, a seriously accomplished, likeable, talented woman who has steadily grown and steered her business to become a huge player in the Irish and now international beauty scene. Not only does she manufacture and sell excellent multi-purpose products, but she also educates her customers and beauty professionals through her personal appearances and her Sculpted Academy. And just before we start, it would be so appreciated if you would hit subscribe on this podcast, rate us and if you'd a moment, leave a review. But for now, may I introduce Amy Connolly. Amy, thank you so much for being with us today um, at the beginning of what I hope is going to be a really successful spring summer season for you. Um, can you tell us um, where is the business and where is Amy Connolly and where is Sculpted right now? Give us an idea of your business landscape. Um, so firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure coming in to chat. Um, so I suppose right now Sculpted turn five at the start of this year. Um, we have over 130 SKUs in the range, so SKUs being products, um, including our variants. We're stocked in over 350 stores in Ireland, um, so we're in the likes of Boots and Dunn's Beauty Stores. Um, we are online via our own channel and also in the UK. And we do have a very exciting retailer in the UK to announce soon that will be launched by this summer. Oh, brilliant. Okie yeah. doke. Um, and how many different categories then are you are you working in? So it's funny, um, we actually launched our first ever mascara last month and um, it was a bigger sellout than we could anticipate. I was going to say, I saw this morning, it sold out. <laughs> it sold out in 23 minutes. So we sold uh, one per second, basically, when you looked at all of our stores. It was absolutely carnage behind the scenes. But it was, it was so amazing because you have to kind of take the win when it happens and go, we created that much demand and momentum. We've that many loyal customers there waiting for it. But that was our first entry into the I category, really. So basically, it's probably easier to say what categories we don't play in. So we don't have brows. We don't have colored face powders. And um, we very much champion the skin category. So our hero products would be our mineral foundation or our concealer, majority of which are all produced in, in South Korea. Basically, majority of our whole range is produced in South Korea who are known to be skin heroes. So we do definitely champion that particular category. It's kind of what we're known for. It's what our kind of sculpted signature style I suppose would be all about that kind of easy fuss free get it on in five minutes out the door kind of thing um so yeah brows are still to come working on them big time behind the scenes I have not approved the formula yet it's taken me ages and it's so challenging but I have to say mascara has undoubtedly been the most challenging product we've ever manufactured can is there such a thing as the one of mascaras how did you go along <clears throat> on that process so I always feel coming from my makeup artist background that you know, there's two type of mascara wearers. 
One is like a fluffy brush and one is like a stiffer plastic wand. So essentially, I always find I prefer the, the stiffer ones in terms of getting precision and shape, but I prefer the formulas of the fluffy ones. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what I went to Italy and said, can we take this from this and put that in that? And um, we tested it for about 20 months every single day. My mom, the team, committee members. I mean, we've never road tested a product like it. Um, and even still trying to find the one between all of our different preferences was really challenging, but we eventually got there. So I would say it's like a weighty kind of instant impact formula. Because to me, if you're going to wear mascara, you don't just want a quick slick. You want the lashes to know that they're there and they're awake and they've arrived. And it's usually people's desert island product for a reason. So yeah, we persevered. We finally got there and they they just went a bit quicker than we anticipated. Well, that's really interesting because you've touched on something there, which is that your team, that they're very much part of you in the journey, oh, aren't yeah, they? Big time. Um, to give context, like I had one full-time team member in 2019 and we now have 23, which will be 27 by summer. So the Hang team Hang on, you had one lot. in 2017, which is the year 2019. you launched. Oh, 2019, two years after you launched. Yeah. So literally in the past three years, yeah. you're now 20... 23 at the oh moment and it'll grow to 27 by summer and like to some people that's still quite modest compared to some businesses but I suppose we are very you know consumer product led so it's it's a takes a kind of little village behind the scenes to get things going and to get it moving and I have to say like I'm so blessed with the best team like everyone is on this journey with me like we actually had a team strategy day recently and you know when I opened up kind of the the session to talk about the vision the values of the business and the longer term goals like I said to them all like I want us to go around the table and say how are we going to feed into this vision because this isn't just Amy's plan it's sculpted as a whole so I think particularly in a startup it can be really overwhelming at times because it's so fast-paced it's so changing you literally like someone goes on holidays for a week they could come back to a completely different business nearly Um, and it's so exciting but you have to be a certain type of person to be able to manage that so I'm really lucky that my team are all on board for it and and yeah it's it's scaling quickly. Do you have a central base that you're working from at the moment? Yeah so our offices are located in Dundrum. And is that also the academy? No so we're actually separate it's funny it's, it's always confusing the shop is at the top of the street mm-hmm. where the academy is based in also and then our office is in the middle of the street in a back kind of you know secluded and, isolated and office. is everyone working back at the office now so we're doing a hybrid model like mm. I'm sure most people are and um, we're kind of doing three days in the office two days at home and we try and have everyone on the team together on a Monday to have that kind of kickoff trading slash planning meeting uh, to start the week right we are currently taking over a top floor of an office so we'll have a bigger space because right now we actually can't host the full team on a Monday because wow. we don't have enough desks <laughs> bunk desks <laughs> yeah. people on shoulders yeah um but it's great as in like sometimes you know it is it is surreal and I often say whenever I'm speaking about business like people are so important in the business but actually people management is one of the hardest things that I've had to learn well that was one of my questions <clears throat> for you because you're a makeup artist yeah you're a businesswoman you're now an HR <laughs> manager <laughs> literally you wear all these hats but like when I when I had the idea about Sculpted, I was full-fledged makeup artist. Mm. I was doing editorials, etc. Let's was, rewind actually to then. So it was around 2015 that you had the idea for Sculpted? Exactly. Yeah. So I just graduated. Um, I had done a four-year degree in commerce and French. So definitely sitting in those business lectures kind of frames your mind and perspective on things even more so subconsciously probably than what you're aware of. So I had been working up until that stage as six years as a makeup artist, both on starting on counters like Mac and Urban Decay, doing editorial journalism, the whole shebang. And it was amazing because I got access to kind of every area in makeup. 
And then I obviously had the business degree alongside it. So when I graduated in 2015, I knew myself there was no chance I was going to work for anyone else. I was going to mix business and makeup together. And that ultimately led me to the brand. But like I always say what starts and probably the same story for a lot of entrepreneurs as an idea of a product or a service. You know, you don't think about all the extra things that are going to come when you create a business from that. Mm. So it's all well and good me going to the manufacturing site saying I want to create this product and it's going to look like this and it's going to be this color. But then you've got the logistics, you've got the finances, you've got the operations, you've got the people that join the team to grow it. So I've also grown up in my 20s with this company. So I've grown as a person as well as a manager, as well as a leader, as well as, you know, all those other things. And, you know, I wouldn't change any of the journey for the world. It's been, you know, incredibly challenging. Every day is there's always some sort of chaos behind the scenes that you're firefighting. But at the same time, you have moments where you're sitting down kind of discussing things like this that you think back and say, God, isn't that deadly? Like it's only been five years and it's it's crazy. But in the past five years, have you had a lost weekend? Have you... (laughs) literally been able to get this out of your head or have you been so channeled I would say I've been so channeled and I would often admit that I am obsessed with work Mm. I'm a total professed business nerd 100% I would talk about it all day I would do it all day at the same time I completely acknowledge burnout and I you know particularly when COVID arrived I really enjoyed having my weekends off like I used to work seven days a week for 12 weeks in a row at Mm. some stages when I was doing a lot of teaching as well so I definitely acknowledge the benefit in taking time out, spending time with be it my partner, friends, mom, etc. So it's not that I don't allow that, but I'm also really lucky in that, you know, I'm 29. I don't have kids. I don't have a mortgage. I can throw everything into it. Mm. And I want to do that now because, you know, my ambitions for the brand is not to stand still. It's like we're going global. So we need to get on it. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Is entrepreneurship in your blood? Is it in your genes? I think so. I think like even when I spent a bit of time pondering back to to past years, you know, even when I was on Urban Decay when I was 16, I mean, I <laughs> don't know how I left some people leaving that counter because I hadn't studied as a makeup artist. But I would write out little client files where I'd write, say, Mary was going to a 60th party that night. So when Mary came back in, I'd know what I used on her, where she was going. And I could say, how was the 60th for that kind of added customer service? Or if, you know, I was planning my business classes in school and I'd say I could buy that in and I could make x amount on that if I did that with it so I think yeah it was definitely in my blood and my brain um more so than I realized but I just kind of ran with it and, and your mother is a very astute businesswoman isn't she she is and I've definitely learned so much from her and I think the older we get the more we realize how much our parents kind of give to us so my mom's amazing she is by far the most resilient hard-working woman I've ever met she never takes no for an answer sometimes to her own detriment because she just doesn't stop but she has definitely instilled that in me 100% and it's only been the two of us so I've probably you know taken on more of her than others without having both parents and just her but she's yeah she's absolutely full of grit but but I, I know in the early days and even now, she's your biggest champion. Yeah, she is. Was she your first, I won't say employee because she will never be. Your, is she a co-director of the business? She's a secretary. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky in that I am kind of 100% shareholder and own the business myself. I've never taken investment. Um, and we know we're not in any debt. So we're in a really, really fortunate position to be able to grow mm. the business like that. Particularly when you're starting out and I'm maintaining full control, I think is really important. It's not that when you take investment, it's a negative thing. You know, I constantly go back and forth and whether I should or shouldn't, you know, are we growing too slow, too fast or, you know, either or. But I do think that when you're trying to maintain the business culture and you're trying to grow a certain vision that you have, 
I feel really lucky to have been able to have kept 100% ownership of it. It's great. Well, it's absolutely brilliant because it's yours now to do with as you wish. It is. And like I would say I'm very impatient and very headstrong. So like I don't know how well I take to have to sit down and talk to someone about the decisions. Well, if they wanted to buy 99.999%, you might be happy to give it to them in time. Maybe. If Charlotte Tilbury did it, maybe. Yeah, no, totally. I'd often look to her. Um, Tell me about the germination of Sculpted. Where did the idea come from? And then how did you come to your first products? So at Sculpted, it's it's always been the very same kind of mission and ethos in that we produce good quality products that have that kind of skincare level to them in all of our skin products, especially, but that are multi-purpose and fuss free. So i.e. you do not need a 71 step routine in the morning. Mm. And I've always championed that even in my days when I worked in Mac years ago. Um, And really, there was one day in particular where a woman came in and she was like, hi, I'm looking for a powder. I said, no bother. We have you know, 61 options here. What would you like? And you could just see it go woo right yeah. over her head. So I think for me, it wasn't necessarily a lack of a certain product on the market. It was how brands are approaching it. And even when you think back to five, six, seven years ago, the landscape was very different. Like Instagram wasn't as big as it is now. TikTok didn't exist. You know, education was only getting there, but it was nearly too much education too soon that it was nearly overwhelming for people. So my ethos was always to pair it back, simplify Mm. it and make makeup easier, essentially, which is what, you know, we still like to think that we do to this day. And education is key for that. So basically it was about building like products into little kits. So my first product was a trio contouring palette and it had a powder bronzer, a cream highlight and a powder highlight. So that I'm getting into like kind of the technical difficult or issues on it. But mm. a cream highlight for me was not very known in the market. Like people were kind of had a bit of fear towards it. And some people still can, but it was like, the absolute epitome of a skin lit from within that suited all ages because at the time I was doing bridal parties so I could have granny of the bride mother of the bride bride and junior bridesmaids Mm. so my kit had to allow for all of that and I wanted to be completely age inclusive in whatever brand or product I created which we still are you know every campaign we have be it my mom committee members models etc in it and so yeah it really started with that and it's kind of grown legs since then so what started with one palette has obviously now exploded but very much keeping that same underlining ethos and there was a brush there was a double-ended brush double-ended brush and it's funny I think sometimes when people see ancillary products they think oh that's just a throw-on whereas the double-ended brush was actually measured by me to fit into the cheekbone because again when we focus just on contouring the biggest issues back then with people would use a huge powder brush whack it on all over their cheek there would be no kind of shape to it it would just be a diagonal line rather than actually focusing on what it should be doing and going into the cheekbone and I'd always say sometimes the smallest difference can make the biggest change to the face so if you lifted it ever so slightly if you got a slightly thinner brush so that was really there to help kind of empower people with the tools to be able to use the kit because a lot of us are guilty you know picking up a product impulse purchase and it sits there and we go oh god I don't know how to do that so I'm not going to bother whereas we're like if you've bought it you know celebrate it and get full value out of it so whatever we can do be it a double-ended brush a label on the back of the product a tutorial online a virtual appointment with one of our digital assistants mm. like we go all out to try and really support customers that are Which- part of it adds to your to-do list hugely it does. but I suppose when Sculpted was starting at the beginning you had a lot of decisions to make because obviously it's the first steps in a brand 
that place you in people's minds and memories. So your packaging and, you know, the metallics and everything else, how did that journey play itself out? I would say it's been an evolution as the brand has grown. You know, I definitely started very much as the cliche. Like when I say no joke, I was Googling fonts 101 to decide on the brand logo. So obviously- Did you design the logo? Oh, I did everything. Oh my God. But like nearly like I wouldn't recommend that because then, you know, probably a year and a half, two years into it, we did a full kind of branding overhaul. It's not that things drastically change, but you get a little bit more structure, Mm. a little bit more specific around how you want to appear in the market. So if I was to go back now, I would have engaged a branding consultant from day one and not done it. Except it probably would have taken all your spare cash so and, and that's the thing you have to be really clever with your investment at the beginning particularly because you know I didn't go to a bank to get x amount I had invested in myself and I had to stagger my first product order because that's obviously your biggest investment for a brand like ourselves at the beginning so yeah you have to be clever about how you're going to do it and what you're using your your investment on so basically I did all of that um and <laughs> yeah it was definitely been more of an evolution because it's changed over time But I think it's really important to think about how your products sit in the marketplace because not only are, so we're an omni-channel where we're online and in stores. So in store, you have the ability to capture a new customer who may not be aware of you. Mm. So you have to think about what's going to capture them. They've either seen your brand before, they're looking at the name and they're drawn into it, or they're drawn completely off by the packaging or the glint or the model or some sort of visual on the stand. And that's your opportunity to engage a new customer and try and convert in a space where you're not speaking to them directly day in, day out, like you can do online. So for us, we're, we're all about pinks. We call ourselves defiantly girly. Um, and obviously we have the lovely metallics and rose gold, like you said, which I just love. I think they look pretty. I think when you're proud to have them in your makeup bag. But at the same time, you know, our whole brand positioning is that kind of mastige. So without going over people's heads into too much detail, mm-hmm. it's like accessible pricing, but with the premium quality finish. And that's what we're so, so proud to offer. And, you know, it's definitely reflected in packaging and well I think you want your products to work but the ones that look the nicest are the ones you're going to pick up and and it's ridiculous we're all so easily swayed but it's the same across the board it is and I I I see it in you know other brands that I purchase in in different areas not cosmetics so we're all secretly magpies Mm, totally um tell me about sort of the first few outlets that started selling because did you have loads of stock at home or how did you manage all of those kind of warehousing things in the early days? So I did all the packing myself and fulfillment so I just rented a warehouse space and so I was literally doing it at my kitchen table and like most people do at the start and it's such a humble beginning because you literally learn every single part of the business. I was also um, the Anne in accounts under a fake email <laughs> trying to get people to pay me. No joke. Um, my invoicing system was a very high tech color coded in my document file on my laptop where I'd put green if they paid, orange if they were overdue and red if they hadn't. And then I'd go That's chasing. That's a system. <laughs> yeah. um, but my whole tactic at the beginning, particularly because we were focusing on the Irish market, was to approach kind of five of the main pharmacies that I wanted to be stocked in. So my theory was I'm a one woman band. I cannot reach all 1800 pharmacies in Ireland. So I'll approach the kind of five key doors that hopefully once I get into them, the independents will look and say, oh, what are they stocking and what are they doing? And that's exactly what I did. I bombarded and hassled the buyers to get in front of them, drove up to Donegal, drove down to Kerry. um, And it was amazing. So I launched with those initially. You know, they took a huge chance on me as well because even though I had an Instagram following at the time, it was maybe like 10 or 15,000, which is not nothing. 
But in that day and age, kind of when it was starting, it was definitely not a stance to say, oh, it's fine. I'll just sell it through Instagram. You know, I knew I needed to do the business behind the scenes. And I was so ready to do that because that's kind of what I really enjoy. Um, I also did a press drop to press the time and I played on the whole rose gold. So I physically spray painted a hundred roses and put them in the box. And I think that like at the time, press drops, although were happening, they weren't maybe overdone. Um, and I think that got us great traction because people could see the effort that went into it. And, you know, definitely the printers thought I was mental because I was like, hi, yeah, yeah. Could you just leave a space there for the rose? It's going to be a fresh rose. So it needs to be delivered within 24 hours. and It's going to be spray painted. And they were like, who is this mad joke coming in? Um, but it was it's so cool when you think back. It's all those things played a massive part in getting it out. But the one thing I will say, those steps lead up to you kind of having the product ready for market. I'll never forget my first buyer's meeting and I was leaving the store and I was watching all the brands on shelf and I got this sinking feeling of, oh my God, once I do the job of getting it here and getting it in, I have to make sure it now leaves this shelf and sells. And that was the whole next debacle that I hadn't really considered yet. So it kind of happened in phases and and you're learning as you go and experiencing. And did you have your point of sale in mind at that stage or because it was two products or whatever? Yeah, so it was much easier. We did like counter units, which would be very common from particularly in the pharmacy channel um, where they're sitting alongside each other. But all that had to be pre-organized and that had to be pitched into the buyer, say, at the time that I was Mm. pitching in the product because they need to see how it's going to live on their shelf. I had a big, um, <laughs> a big profile picture of myself on the on the unit. Free model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, cut back on those expenses. Um, so yeah, you're kind of looking at, and obviously, you know, nowadays when we're in store, we have kind of our premium units. We've got a big flagship unit in, in Bootsleafy Valley that stocks every single unit that we have. Um, so it's obviously come up the ranks massively, also in line with the growth of the brand and the amount of SKUs that we have to show on shelf as well. Yeah. But yeah, you have to consider all those things at the beginning. Can you give anyone um, or anyone listening any tips that you might have if they have to present? To you, it was presenting a product to a beauty buyer, but equally it could be somebody presenting themselves, their talent, their yeah. skill, their product. Any tips? I think the biggest thing is your passion for it. I think if you are the founder of whatever you're trying to sell, you should be the one selling it at the beginning, particularly if you're a smaller startup, because no one is going to buy into a product more than when the actual person who's created or thought about it is selling it to them because you are so passionate. Mm. And this is what I always say as well to those thinking about going into business just to make money. It's never going to work. You need to really love what you're doing and what you're selling or what you've manufactured because the days can be so tough that if you don't, you'll just burn out and not want to continue with it. But I think passion is super important. I think knowing exactly what your product is and how it compares to competitors, not that you're going to discuss competitors, but why is it different? What is your unique selling point that you're doing that other people aren't? Like when you take our products, for example, we're in possibly one of the most saturated markets ever. And, you know, it definitely keeps me awake sometimes at night, but then you have to really hold strong and say, okay, what are we doing that's different? What's unique to sculpted and how are we standing out? So I think having a great awareness about why you're going into the market, you know, what maybe benefits or positive or opportunities that you've seen for your product or service, whatever it might be. But 
the biggest thing of all for me is the passion for it. Mm. And I think it's really important what what you're saying there, because I think Irish people, especially Irish women, are so bad at beating their own drum. Oh, and you kind of it's not being big headed or conceited, but you need to sell yourself. Yeah. And to be honest, I still really find that awkward. Mm. And like, I have no problem sitting in conversations like this, talking kind of in like nearly third person about what's happening. But if someone says like, stand up there and and sell to all those women, I will never go in a hard sell. Like mm. I'll never be like, you need this in your life. It's the most amazing thing ever. I'd be like, oh, you know, it's lovely. And, and listen, don't worry if you have loads of other products. Don't, don't be worried if you don't want to get this. <laughs> and the team are always saying to me like, Amy, like, you know, you need to be a little bit more forthright with it. But I think it's it's the Irish in us, but it's also like, you just don't want to come across like really cocky about things. Mm. You know, like, you know, the secrets in the product, you know that when people try it, they'll see that. But it's always a bit of that hesitation around not looking like a total, you know, but I think equally, um, you know, the reason you're in business is to let people know about the product. Totally. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a two headed beast. It that, is. You know, you may not you may want to be reticent, but equally you have yeah. to tell people because that's why they're there to listen. And I think you can find that lovely fine line that, mm. you know, hopefully I have majority of the time where you're doing it in a nice way. You're not kind of shoving it in people's faces, but you're also educating them on kind of why it works and why it's for them so they can make the decision themselves then based mm. off that. In the early days and as you were growing the business, did anything go against plan? Did anything go <laughs> hideously wrong and if so how did you deal with it or how did you rectify it um, how long do you have okay <laughs> um so it's, it's an it's an example that I don't often speak about but if I'm being really really honest my like right back at the initial days my very very first manufacturer um I felt was quite disrespectful to me in my age so I had messaged or emailed a load of basically manufacturers in Europe because I thought from a regulations point of view that was going to be safest for me. You know, I was mm. learning this game. A lot of them said no, a lot of them didn't answer. And there's one particular company were very kind and they said, okay, let's listen, let's hear more. Because at this at that time, like I had no track record of what I could sell, what I could do. It was literally higher. Mm. I'm 22, I'm finished college and I want to do this product. So I hopped over in a plane three days later. In the end, ended up manufacturing with them. You know, the product was great. Um... The packaging wasn't great. And I remember my reorder, I had kind of said to them like, guys, I don't believe I'm getting the same respect or attention than other paying customers. And don't get me wrong, my volumes weren't high at the time, but I believe whoever is giving you a fee for manufacturing your product, you need to be holding a certain standard for that. And I just felt there was this whole kind of like male versus female, you know, uh, the little blonde who's 22, whatever it might Mm. be, not directly, just something I felt. And I remember hopping on a plane six months later and saying, you know, if you do not treat me with the same respect that I feel I deserve, I'm walking and I'm going straight to South Korea. And I think they kind of half laughed thinking like, you know, this girl, she's off her rocker. Like she hasn't a notion how to go direct to factory. And I did. I went straight to a trade show the following month, hopped on a plane to South Korea and met who is still now our main partner. You did a Zelensky on it. I did. (laughs) Slam the door behind me. Mm. Um, But I think like when I look back on it now, I don't have any regrets because it wouldn't, it would have, it forced me quicker to go direct to factory and find our own really reliable partners, which I love and we still work Mm. with, like I said. But I think it was part naivety on my behalf and kind of partnering with people like that, thinking that everyone has your best interest at heart, when in reality in business, it's not always the case. And you can learn a lot from it. But that definitely went against me because it stalled production for about six to eight months. So when you're a new 
brand with two products do you know I didn't have so say if I restocked that in the February I didn't have another launch till December that year so that's why I always say Christmas rose gold palette exactly yeah yeah great memory so that's why I always say my first kind of two years are very slow growth um and slow for a few reasons not just because of the manufacturing partner but also because I was figuring it out myself Mm -hmm. I was like what do I want this brand to be and where am I going with it because you know the name sculpted came about again being totally honest because I had only plans for that contour palette so I was going to call it the simple sculpt the super sculpt sculpt sculpted and then landed on that and then it just became the brand name because Mm -hmm. I thought oh my god this is amazing I love doing this I want to create more and then it kind of it led from there. So yeah, the manufacturer was definitely a, a big kind of knock at the very beginning. But, you know, I think in a way, and I can remember a learning in business from years ago, you know, in my case, it was trying to book models. And some of the agencies were so horrible to me. And I can remember thinking, you actually don't need to deal yeah. with the, there are many people with models on their books. Totally. And you don't need to put your head in that fire all the time. Yeah. You can, And I suppose, isn't that maybe where a bit of gut instinct comes into play as well? Completely. And it's something I often reference whenever people ask me kind of tips wise in business. And it sounds so simple, but like your gut is there for a reason. And I think as entrepreneurs, we can be really guilty sometimes in that, you know, we start with an idea. We don't know everything. However, we definitely know more than what we give ourselves credit for. Mm. So even if it's an area that I may be unsure about and I'm learning from experts that I hire into the team, your gut says a lot and speaks a lot for it because actually no one knows the business like you do. So I think it's really important to listen to it when it's there. And I think we all have that kind of organic feel about what's coming down the line. We may not know what it is. Yeah. It may not have a name or a title, but you kind of know the space you're moving into, don't you? Or moving away from. Yeah, Yeah. if you're departing from it as well. Um, yeah and it's it's guided me in so many different situations along the way and, and still does you know like we have so much ahead of us ironically probably some of our biggest challenges lie ahead in terms of our international growth so we have that to look forward to but yeah definitely won't forget you mentioned that. your team earlier on your ever-growing team and we haven't discussed your makeup store yeah. and your sculpted academy so obviously your team you've a certain amount of people working in there but could you give us a sort of an overview of who's who in the business of course um so obviously as the business grows it's great we're getting more organized with departments I feel very fancy saying departments <laughs> because you know we didn't have that uh, probably a year ago um so within our kind of standalone flagship store and academy we have a team of say four or five who work on that that's very service-led it's an amazing place to come just for kind of sculpted advice and something that we can't offer in every store that we're that we're stocked in in the brand side of things in HQ, for want of a better phrase, um, we have kind of the marketing department. There's about five or six who sit under that. We have the commercial team. Um, there, again, there are probably like three or four people who sit under that. We have finance where there's two people. Anne. Um, Anne, yeah, previously <laughs> known as Anne. Um, <laughs> guys, does Amy. Um, we have the buying team, which is actually growing. So it's myself and another assistant buyer at the moment. And we're kind of expanding and, and recruiting in that area. When you say buying, do you mean sourcing Factory. product? Yeah. Right. So whether it's reordered existing products, um, looking at sourcing new products. And to be honest, it's an area that I'll never not be involved in because mm. I couldn't cope with the idea of launching a product that I haven't had, you know, firsthand development um, insights into. We have the social team. There's three people on that. Um, yeah, it's basically built out into the kind of the departments that you would expect. So everyone works very collaboratively because we're still a very small team. But at the same time, everyone's very kind of aware of their own responsibilities, which is great. And do you still do the sort of the MD role? 
I do. And it's funny, I don't really know, like, if you were to write on paper what my role is, because mm. I still very much wear a lot of hats. I'm definitely better at delegating. You know, the team are there for a reason. They're all amazing in their own right. But I think by nature, when you're a growing kind of startup, again, smaller team, it's not as if I have a general manager that reports into me and I don't speak to the team below that. Do you know, like, we're all very much sitting around together. So... I'd have like a dab hand at marketing and um, product development, general kind of flow of business in terms of what's happening that week. So yeah, I don't think I'm the most structured CEO that, that there ever was, but I love being involved in the detail. Mm. Probably not Do good, you set goals and targets? Yeah. And I think it's really important. It's one of my biggest tips that I've learned massively, especially over the last two years. Like if you don't put a measure behind it you won't get results from it so even from you know given how fast paced the nature of everything is even setting deadlines and targets for the team is really important for them to go back to and say okay I've got x y and z on this week because by nature and I'm sure a lot of people like this who are founders of businesses I can be really creative and have ideas ideas and then I'm like right let's run with it and let's go and I'm so impatient and they're kind of like whoa 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 and I think they're on the journey with me and I'm five steps ahead because it's all in my head so trying to bring it down, put it onto paper, set deadlines, set targets for everyone. And we're getting kind of more organized with that as we grow as well. Um, but I think it's a really, really valuable thing that I've learned. And like I said, in particular over the last two years. And were you the recruiter of everybody? Yes, I mm. have met everyone that enters the business 100%. I think it's so important because for me, and I often say, you know, whenever colleges approach me about tips for, you know, hiring after college, etc. Don't get me wrong, like your studies and kind of what you've done is important. But the biggest thing for me is people's experience in a role and also how they are as a person if we do get them to interview stage. So, you know, half the time or even more so when I'm on interviews, I'll know kind of straight away if they're a fit for the company or not. Because it's one thing being able to do your role, but another thing actually being a nice person that's going to fit within, you know, the atmosphere and the culture of the business. And it's so important at our size that everyone's coming in with that same mindset because you have one rotten egg and then it filters down and, you know, it could ruin things. So yeah, and we've been so lucky to date and typically, you know, we're attracting people who want to work in our space. So we're very lucky when we do get to entry stage that we're spoiled for choice. But it's, yeah, something that I'm really, really conscious of because you definitely don't want to disrupt the, the culture at all. And it's a very, very fine balance, I'm sure. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we did a lot of hiring over Zoom. You know, you're not always guaranteed that when you actually meet them in the flesh that it's going to be the same. <laughs> oh, it's you. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Actually, speaking of Zoom and hires and everything else, what's been going on for Sculpted for the last two years? Because I would have known pre-COVID, you would always be in store doing demos yeah. or doing charity events or all sorts of things. So that must have changed a lot as well as the business. Yeah, it was terrifying. I'll never forget the first two weeks of COVID. And, you know, I would say that I'm a good problem solver and kind of keeping my head in times where, you know, things go wrong because it happened so much, particularly over the last five years. I panicked big time for that two weeks. Because really? I the, March, the March 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget when Leo was making a speech on St. Patrick's Day and I was bawling and crying because I was like, what's going to happen? You know, do I have to let my team go? Like, are we going to be able to survive this? Because even though we're online, 60% of our trade is done in store. So that was obviously terrifying. Well, that's now, your profit. Yeah. You know, and that's your, that's the meat of your business. Exactly. It? Yeah. Um, so everything kind of went to zero. 
But the one thing I will say is when you get over that kind of initial shock and you have your little moment to yourself, you know, then the team are looking to you to say, mm. okay, so what's happening? So we were really, really lucky, like any kind of smaller startup companies are in that we can be super agile. So literally within two weeks, we had everything turned around to virtual. We had virtual consults to help shade match online, knowing that was big, people's biggest barrier. We had virtual lessons. We had virtual glam parties. We did an online makeup academy. Oh like, God. I mean, we switched every single thing on, which is a total testament to how agile the whole team are because everyone Sorry, so had to when was it. that up and working if St. Paddy's Day was the benchmark when did you have so the first week in April the second week in April just before Easter we had everything turned on to virtual oh good lord yeah it That's was speedy. it was quite a turnaround and even from an in-store perspective we started to switch how we could support retailers who were selling online as well to to keep that going um and yeah, we just, I think a lot of people say, God, you experienced a lot of growth in COVID. You know, is it, were you really lucky because of COVID? I don't think anyone's lucky because of COVID because it was an awful thing to happen to all of us. But I think we learned a lot about ourselves and about how strong we are as a business and about how agile we can be depending on what happens. So for me, we were going to have that growth regardless, whether it came from virtual, whether it came from in store, because we're an ambitious company. We just changed our tack in terms of how we make it happen. So how, how long did you have your meltdown for? Uh, I would say about seven days. Okay, a week's meltdown. And then you got up the next morning. Yeah, well, I obviously have to get up every day and kind of speak to the team in between my meltdowns. I just mm. didn't show them how much of a meltdown <laughs> I was having. Um, and then we engaged our kind of web agency at the time and said, right, we're going to move everything to online. How is it going to work? We want an instant chat. We want, you know, digital assistance online. We want a platform where they can upload their looks so they're actually getting feedback on it. And we had everything done and I'd say three days. Wow. It was amazing. Isn't, isn't it incredible if you're razor focused? Totally. If you don't have anything else yeah. to do because you're sitting at home. Yeah. And I think it. like when you have your own business, because you're so passionate, whenever something goes wrong, you will look at it and find any sort of loophole that is possible. Mm. And like, I will put my hand up and say, like, like I said earlier, I love business. I am so passionate about sculpted that I will literally do anything for it <laughs> I'm not going to kill someone for it however yeah I will work whatever amount of hours I will go wherever needs to happen for it to happen so I think when you have or I'd like to think that when you have that level of passion and determination coming from the top of the business everyone else feeds into that as well yeah because yeah. you know there's no preciousness around us like I'll sweep the floors I'll do that same with everyone else do you know mm -hmm. even though you have your role you all get on board with whatever needs to happen well it first. comes from the top down doesn't it <laughs> Yeah, yeah hopefully <laughs> and tell me um your influencer work because how I know I, I know from working with you in the past you know Amy Connolly is a very very uh, engaged platform so how many followers do you have on Instagram at the moment I have 145 and are you on TikTok oh, sculpt it is I'm I'm a bit old for TikTok yeah. I think it scares <laughs> God, me a there's bit there's no hope for the rest of us <laughs> um, I need to get better at it okay so are are you doing work with other brands at the moment or is there time for that I would do very little yeah for me I feel like you know I find it hard to keep on top of just my emails alone because it's mm. so busy in work and you know it, it's it's no disrespect to how various businesses work but I'm not someone who just has my name to it like it is is literally my brand so mm. I'm involved from the business side as well as the online side but the one thing I will say is I'm so grateful for social in the sense that I can take customers behind the scenes with me I think people really like seeing that because I'll be really honest if days weren't great or if they were really good or, or what's happened mm. so I think I use it more so for that I would do the odd partnership if it was a great fit you know for example I'm ambassador for VHI Women's Mini Marathon 
I loved that Brilliant. because that is like you know exercise is what I've gotten into I love running so that was a great fit but I think I'm really fortunate that I can be selective but even outside of being selective just from a time perspective I just wouldn't have the time to do everything and, and sculpt it is 100% mm. of my time so at the moment social media for you is a great way to amplify what you're doing with the business completely and yeah. a great way to educate so we spend a lot mm. of time talking through products and educating how people use them showing them on different skins and faces and ages and I think people love to see that because you know our biggest tagline on social is filter free faces and we totally own that in the sense that you know if we have a breakout rosacea whatever it might be we'll show it and we'll mm. show how it works and you know there's no photoshopping going on behind the scenes brilliant and what about in-store stuff and your work as a makeup artist what time is there for that so it's it's actually quite nice now that covid's you know going into the rear view mirror a little Please bit goodness, i know yes. touch wood yeah. um that we're getting back in the kind of sequence of what we can do from an in-store perspective because i think that's really important to support our stockers who have been so loyal to us as well and um, we're doing a few kind of roadshow events but we're looking to do kind of events on a bigger scale and um, there may be like a customer party happening soon Exciting. yeah um so yeah it's just so nice like there's nothing like the buzz of being in a room with people and you know feeding off the same thing be it makeup beauty whatever it might be and getting mm. to speak to them after so hopefully a few more events planned in that regard tell me about the excitement of getting listed in boots because that must have been <laughs> a real happy dance day it was amazing and it's happened in a few phases so we launched initially august 2018 into boots and then we launched online in the uk at the end of uh, 2020 so you know there's been a lot of highs with them I think boots for for lots of people in my space is the is the big goal do you know it's the it's the international doorway for a lot of us um and they're just really like we're so lucky they're so supportive of us they're so engaged in what sculpt to do they're such champions of Irish brands you were one um, of the special gifts at Christmas time this year though weren't you yes we're the one of the big bets it phenomenal. is phenomenal it is and like, you know they do Christmas really well in the sense of how they're organized um but like to be honest we're so lucky with all our stockists mm. be it boots pharmacies duns like they are so loyal and so supportive and they really champion Irish and you know we wouldn't be in half the makeup bags we are today without them so we've got a lot to thank for them for do you still get a mad thrill if you see somebody picking something up from one of your yeah um, i get really awkward in store though because i want to be a stalker but it happened recently where i was at dinner in ranla and it was like this tiny bathroom and then someone was using her full face edit in the mirror and i was like oh my god will i be a freak or will i not and i just said nice palette and then she saw me and she was like oh my gosh and she was like mid bronze I was like oh it's so exciting so I took a selfie with her I looked like I took a completely different person after Pilates not a scrap of makeup on but I was just so excited it is really exciting though yeah. because I mean that's what this is all about isn't it exactly and for me it's like that unbiased completely neutral they picked it up because they saw it they're using it because they use it daily and I'm like oh my god that's so cool that has my name on it yes it's not somebody gave it to them exactly or it's at home it yeah. is in the bag and even though you love those as well but it's just those moments where you're completely caught off guard and I'm like nice palette <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy do you have a business mentor or have you had a business mentor through the years so not kind of one in particular but I feel particularly when you're a solo founder um, and probably starting off a little bit younger you know you definitely really learn from a lot of people around you so various networks like Gung for Growth it's a women entrepreneurship um, networking program that's been really amazing to kind of have those safe space of round tables and various leads and mentors along the mm. way um but equally like you could just have a coffee with someone and take away such nuggets from what they're saying if they've either done the road before you or various things that we're trying to inquire about so there's been a lot of people kind of along the way in different 
kind of ways and perspectives that they've helped to shape me in my decision making um but probably not one consistent mentor no actually that's a really good point because um I think a lot of people maybe see a mentor as like a weight watcher leader mm. that you've got to check in with on a regular yeah. basis but sometimes maybe it's two or three cups of coffee over the space of a lifetime I think so and I think as well like your mentor needs will change do you know with every phase of growth in the business so right now the biggest way a mentor could help me is is shaping us for international growth last year it could have been shaping us for processes for hiring new people do you know mm. so mm. and it's not as if that one, more, one person can't give it to you but you know if you find that you don't have that one consistent presence you know call on people in different ways and ask them for coffee and the one thing I've learned is everyone in business loves business so like people are so willing to give you their time and give you kind of any insights that they have from their previous experience that hopefully will stop you from making the same mistakes they did Mm-mm. and I'm I'm sure you have so much road left to travel but from this stage you know you've you've achieved so much and if you're on the road and you're looking right the way back down again is there anything that you change or is there any order you change doing things I think and again it's not as if I have a regret because I don't like that because things have happened for a reason because of what happened in the past and how it's been shaped but I think if I was being really honest I probably would have hired sooner around me. I think you know and I still battle sometimes this whole like it's my business my vision I'm founder can you can be a little bit arrogant or small minded Mm. in your own head and actually sometimes hiring the experts in those fields around you just grows it quicker. So I constantly have that internal battle of are we growing too fast? Mm. Are we running before we can walk? Um, And kind of what the overall goal is and how quickly we want to get there. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think if I was being really honest with myself, I think hurrying up a little bit faster with experts in those fields would have helped to scale the business quicker. Mm. But equally, I think... That sounds, you know, so so true and so good. But like you were saying, the first two years that things went slower than you thought, you probably needed that time to process. I think so. You've so much going on on a daily basis. Yeah. There needs to be some space for strategizing, doesn't there? Exactly. Mm. And when you're so in the detail, you don't have that mental space to do that. But yeah, and that's why I probably say that I don't call it a regret because Mm. like that, because I started slower, things took a different turn kind of at the same pace that I want them to when I figure things out so there's always a benefit Mm. behind certain things but it's probably one that I would maybe think about again and what do you hope 2022 is going to be for for the brand and for you I think 2022 is going to be the proper year of international expansion um via different kind of online strategies as well as a retailer in-store partnership so I really feel it's going to be the first mark in terms of us making our mark on new territories which you know is really exciting the business is in a place where we're absolutely ready for it and you know it's it's definitely feeding its way into my overall growth and ambitions for the brand. Brilliant. Um, I'll be I have a million questions to ask <laughs> you about that but I know you're not going to answer them quite yet. Um, in terms of Sculpted's successes, and maybe for anyone else who's listening to this, what has worked for the brand particularly well? Has it been influencer marketing? Has it been in-store appearances? Um, do you know what? I think it actually comes back to the very basic thing of that really trusted word of mouth. Um, and I think that's come from us putting a lot of effort into you know, bringing customers along the journey, making them feel heard, being really approachable with them online, educating them at every point that we can and getting that really great organic love from, be it influencers, press, 
your cousin, your mom down the road who's using it because that's actually what makes it all tick is, mm. you know, someone saying to you, God, if you tried this, it's great. And I think nothing can benefit a brand more than that true word of mouth. So it's funny because I've done a lot of work on this, trying to replicate what we do from a strategy perspective in new markets. And don't get me wrong, we'll scale quicker with the likes of press and influencers who are so crucial to any brand. Mm. But actually, when I try and pinpoint what was the real essence of success, I think is that was that organic love. Um, which we are so so lucky to have and you know the the customers and community and all that that we have around the brand are so loyal that we wouldn't be ending without them well you you actually cannot beat word of mouth can no. you you know it, like it literally is the the, <laughs> the hardest thing to probably get but the, the biggest thing to have yeah uh, have you been doing lots of traveling of late yes traveling is back which is brilliant mm. you know i i'm always kind of busy with it so i love it so i got back out to our lab in south korea last september that was my first long haul trip wow. i know it's still a bit nervy because covid was How still was kind it of to get there into south korea was it difficult yeah we had to apply to be exempt from um isolation because we had everything kind of done in advance with mm. the embassy so yeah there was a little bit of things to do a there lot of i'm documents. sure it's probably gone now yeah a yeah. lot of documentation a lot of paperwork um but i'm back on doing my own trips i took my family skiing last month that was so fun that yeah. was postponed two years um so we finally got there and i'm back in london um tomorrow and back a lot actually for various press stuff so yeah travel is back which i'm it's so great. excited i know about. it makes such a difference doesn't it um few quick fire questions for you yes. before we round up okay amy connolly okay you have five minutes to get ready what is the routine from okay. bare face to out the door? So this is kind of me every day. Mm. So beauty base on, SPF hydration done, a base, be it second skin, dewy or tinted glow, something lightweight, bit of concealer tapped on my finger underneath the eyes. Blush is a non-negotiable. Anyone listening who doesn't wear it, you need to and get your And where should it order. go these days? So a lot of people are bringing it high up the cheekbones. I have too much pudding in my cheeks, so I have to do it in the center to bring a bit of life to them. Tap the same thing on my lips. Always need lip liner. 100% it's the best thing ever. Whack a bit of bronze into the cheekbones, do a swoosh over on the eyelids, brush my brows through with a brow gel, get on the mascara, quick spritz out the door. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. I'm and sure it, that's really said, easy to follow. <laughs> We're going to be playing that one at 0.5% to hear it again. Um, and so if you could only have one product from your collection and the mascara has sold out, okay, what would it gone. be? Um, it's so hard because I obviously use all of them a lot and you know but I think if I was being really truthful and I was going for Desert Island tomorrow and I only could bring one I would bring bronze based face tan because I am a lobster slash pink and it just gives you a gorgeous color and you don't have to worry about no makeup so yeah and that's a great brand. one for all ages actually it is yeah my yeah. mom is obsessed as well. it, is, it takes the uh, the look of death yeah it take, takes the ghostly vibe off the face and you'd look great on your desert island with that this one is the on, thing the rest of my body would be pale but my face would be fab <laughs> uh, is there any product that you wish you'd invented um very good question i used to say elizabeth arden eight hour cream and mm. then we launched beauty bam which is the unscented um answer to that and it has been you know such a strong contender in the line so I don't know I think something like Charlotte Libby Flawless Filter has really captured the nation Um, I think it's also probably down to you know a few kind of mechanics there in terms of it was first of its kind in that kind of glow primer-esque the bottle you know the lovely branding of her mm. Um, so yeah I think that's a really special product and 
I think it hasn't been copied, even though it's probably tried to mm. been so many times. When you're going into your brows, are you going to be doing something clear or are you going to be doing something colored? What um, can you tell us? I can give you a hint that there will be both. <laughs> Squeak. <laughs> right. You walk into a networking event and believe it or not, you know nobody instantly. What mm. do you do? Um, die inside. Actually, one of my biggest fears in life and phobias is walking into a room of people that I don't know. I literally, mm. my whole insides want to scream. Um, but what I have just learned to do is just go up to a friendly face and say, hi, my name's Amy. What's your name? Mm. Tell me about yourself. It's so hard, but it's so easy. So hard. Um, and I was involved in an awards last year and it's kind of like a networking program with EY. So it's a few mm. events along the way. And there were so many of those situations where I'd walk in and I'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I don't know, I don't know. And you're literally panicking internally. And then obviously people turn out to be lovely. So you have nothing to worry about. But it's just that initial, hi. The EY ones would be very grown up though. A very grown up. Oh my God. I was literally like... This is a whole new world. And it was so, it was so great because you're opened up to this whole new business world, but very grown up. Have you a work uniform or a lucky work outfit that you you, you know you can just go to? Yes. Um, so it'd be a pair of black jeans and a pink, pink satin shirt or a top and a blazer and heeled boots. That's what you'll find me in for any sort of appearance. Say it again. So black jeans and yeah. a pink satin blouse or black jeans top and a blazer and is there always pink involved no not necessarily if i'm wearing the blazer it could be like a soft cream right but i like to have a bit of pink in there i think well it looks good <laughs> on you um are you a dawn girl or a night owl complete Where? night owl really yeah but the problem that i do is i work and have my ideas at night but i still get up super early to be on my factories in the morning so not great for the old body but i definitely have all my inspiration at night so how much sleep can you get away with the night Oh, I'd say five or six hours. Really? Yeah. And you can you can function on that? Yeah, like I'll probably have one night where I'm wrecked, depending on the week. Right. But then your body just kind of goes into auto drive. The art of delegation, discuss, because you were saying earlier that you've learned it. Yeah, I'd say I'm learning. I'd say it's a, it's a continuous process. I think, again, setting the targets and KPIs and setting the consistent check-ins is really important to also let the person who's delegating feel comfortable and letting the other person who you're delegating to get on with it. Um, so yeah, finding out kind of where the strengths are within the team, what they can look after and just setting that regular check-in to be sure that things are happening the way you want. Because at the same time, you know, when you're the creator of it, you can often have ideas that not everyone's privy to because they're obviously living in your head. Mm. So you're just making sure that everything's going the way that you kind of want it to. Which is back to your measurables as well, isn't totally. it? That if yeah. everyone knows what they're aiming for. Yeah. And it goes back to if you've employed the team, you have a relationship with them. So completely. No we have a really open kind of honest relationship. But also if you have a team, you know, you have to let the team work. You know, it's not all back to you and they're, they're more than capable. So mm. it's just more from my own mind going, I really want to be involved in that, but you can't be involved in everything. <laughs> How do you power up for a really important meeting? Like if you're going into a sales meeting or something. Um, this sounds really awful and it sounds really lazy. I don't think about it. Um, I don't spend time thinking about what's ahead of that day unless I have to physically prep notes or mm. something because it's my way of just not freaking myself out about things. Mm. So people often say like, you know, if I was doing QVC, for example, or a talk in front of a thousand people, the girls would be like, oh my God, Amy, you're stressing me out. Like you're here and it's in five minutes and you're ironing your shirt. And I'm like, yeah, it'll be grand. Just go Have in and chat. Have you done QVC? Yeah, we launched onto QVC. I missed that completely yeah. because because Virgin took away my QVC <laughs> and I was used to be a secret viewer. I We launched in QVC 
UK in January. Oh my goodness, and we had a sellout show, so we had to finish early. It was absolutely the most wild thing I've ever done. It was unreal. Is your heart in your mouth doing it? I was definitely nervous for that. Uh. And again, the tactic was you know don't overthink it don't spend too much time on it but the team were so good there and they're so efficient and you know then once you actually start I'm talking about stuff that I know through and through so you're actually not nervous at all but it was so funny because within the first kind of four minutes she was like okay limited stock limited stock and there was a little break and I was like wow. are you lying about the limited stock to make it sound better that's a great tactic mm. and she was like no it's sold out <laughs> I was like but oh. it's a huge investment from your part isn't it because you've got to bring the stock <clears throat> yeah but we were so lucky like we we had a 50 minute show and we were off air in 38 minutes because it was all gone oh my god yeah. what did you wear that day I wore shock horror a pink blouse <laughs> black jeans and heeled boots <laughs> was the blouse satin it wasn't <laughs> actually <laughs> how dare I it wasn't satin but it was pink and is it like a, a sort of a wedding that you remember the fragrance you were wearing and all of those kind of things I, I probably remember more the makeup look I was wearing to compliment it yeah whether it was like the certain lip or the cheek product or the shimmer on the eye um what behaved at its best um what behaved at its best in terms of, of products, the products sold. yeah that you um, no 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 that you wore yourself what did you well I actually did my face on camera oh, so that was camera. a learning yeah, yeah 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 because the cameras were so up close when I watched it back I was like well I won't be doing that way or standing <laughs> that way ever again um but second skin okay. like as we'd expect That's you know because you just see safe. the true kind of how the product works when you're doing a half and half face and mascara was gone before we even got to mention it Oh my goodness yeah. me. Gosh, congratulations. It was amazing. Besides QVC, mm. are there other business shows that you watch or podcasts or books that you read? Yeah, I, I love I love reading and listening. It's not always business related. Sometimes it could be thriller or kind of mm. fiction. Um, one that I've been listening to recently, which is probably a firm favorite of a lot of people, is The Diary of a CEO by mm -hmm. Stephen Bartlett, yeah. that podcast. Um, I've listened to a few episodes of that. It's funny, unless I'm kind of walking to work or doing something, I won't listen because I wouldn't have the time to sit there and kind of just have a podcast on mm. but I do find them great again just kind of picking up on founders journeys be it a startup a scale-up a, a unicorn business or whatever it might be and kind of listening and kind of tips that they have in terms mm. of their teams and, and processes and stuff so it kind of gets the fire going again when you you know maybe have a long day or a tough day or you know something didn't go to plan you don't get the news you want or whatever it might mm. be you stick on a good podcast and you're like right over that onto the next thing off we go again reboot yeah okay that is brilliant and my last question amy is when all said and done and you're looking back what do you want the legacy of you and sculpted to be i it's funny it's something that i've thought about more and more kind of as we're growing into new markets i think from the brand's perspective I want to be the brand that changed people's relationship with makeup in the sense that we've revolutionized kind of how easy it can be, how amazing you can feel with very few products and how good it's done to both your skin and your confidence. Not saying you need it, but when you do wear it. I think for me personally, um, and I was actually saying this to the team recently, I want to grow a global brand 100%. But one of the biggest things for me is that I do it and maintain a nice person and I think that's like sounds so basic but you know sometimes you hear of these big business people who maybe have turned a certain way that you want to be sound you want to do good and I want to make sure I look after my family and those around me and yeah create a really memorable brand it sounds brilliant and I, th I think you're pretty much there so Amy thank you so much for your time today that was absolutely fantastic no, thank no. you thank you so much and for having all me. the best thanks 
Thank you again, Amy. I know for one, I'll be starring this conversation to come back to time and time again when I need some good vibes and motivational mojo. Thanks to Tall Tale Studios and to the team at Image, Sophie Parr, Simone Kennedy and Bill O'Sullivan for their help in producing today's podcast. Incidentally, if you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to find out more in the series, you'll also find them on our hub at image.ie workrest slay, as well as on your usual podcast platforms. And of course, we'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate and or comment on what you've enjoyed. Have a great month and we'll be back soon with another episode of Work, Rest, Slay. Hold up. 